Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Die, the podcast breakdown of the catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. You might have seen him more recently in the Broadway production as one of the puppeteers of Richard Parker in Life of Pi, but before he was a tiger, he was a cat. He was in two regional productions of Cats and the U.S. Tour 5, and then was Tumble Brutus in the 2016 Broadway revival. So welcome, Andrew Wilson. Thank you for joining me. Hey, Mike. Thank you for having me on. An honor. I am excited excited to have you on i know we've talked about this for a while and then i did see life of pi recently and loved it was floored by how amazing the puppeteering is and the set and just a a really cool production i'm very sad to hear it's closing soon but hopefully this will maybe send some people your way to see it for the last couple weeks before it closes yes come to the the other jellicle junkyard also known as the pacific ocean Exactly. Well, before we get to Life Pie, we'll talk about that for sure. And I do want to compare the show to Cats, but um, let's start with your Cats history. So you've been in the tour and regional productions and the Broadway revival, but when was your first introduction to the show? Was it the 98 movie or was it uh, seeing as a kid? So I grew up in a household that wasn't a musical theater whatsoever. Um, I had heard of Cats. Um, the first song I had ever heard was Mungo Jerry and Rumpelteaser. Uh, um and I remember doing like a talent show dance to it, a solo, um, <clears throat> because that that Broadway recording is just Mistoffelees singing it, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's interesting. Just, um, one. Yeah. They didn't have a they didn't have a rumple teaser they wanted to sing, so that's why they just had just one cat sing the whole song. Yeah. Wild. Um, so anyway, that was my first time I had heard of it. But then I moved to New York City in 2004. And one of my friends was in this kind of now infamous production of Cat in, I think it was called the Count Basie Theater, New Jersey, where there was that, that Mistopheles, who... The very famous Mistopheles. The very famous Mistopheles. I was at that performance, actually. Um, Okay. And uh, was dazzled by the show. And uh, anyway, so shortly after that, I auditioned for the U.S. Tour 5. Um not knowing what I was getting into. I didn't know the dance combination and that has been the audition cut for decades. So I just kind of mm-hmm. came in and everyone around me knew the dance and I was learning it and picking it up. And um, so that's how I all got started in 2006 that way. 
like when I joined so your the tour. First time seeing the show was seeing one of the most famous YouTube clips of cats yes. of the Mistopheles that did not. I, I know the backstory of that. I, I did hear um, it was the choreographer, the choreographer that really went on and that went on for like an emergency injury. Yes, and and it went viral uh, in the cats world for sure. And that was your first time seeing that was my it first live. Time and I feel like yeah, it's such like an urban legend, like. Oh my God, no one believes me that I thought, but I actually have the program still. And you can see my friend in the back of the video. Um, so yeah, I saw that. And, um, and then I joined the tour shortly after. That is, I'm, I want to talk to your friend. I've, I've been dying to get the guy on. I've reached out to him and he's not responding to me. Yeah. Who did it? Uh, just to hear, you know, it's such a weird story. Cause like, you know, obviously it went viral and it's like everyone pokes fun at him, but I'm like, this is an emergency cover of somebody who had to do it at the very last second, who, who is a very, very good dancer, who was a choreographer. Yeah. It's like, it's a very unique story. That's got a weird vibe to it. And I want to, I want to hear his version and, but he, he's not, he's not interested in telling it to me. Yeah, totally. So maybe your friend will tell me from uh, being on yeah, stage I'll during that day what too. it's like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, so you see it, and then you you obviously get cast as a swing in the, the fifth tour. Yeah, I was cast as a swing. It was called the 25th Anniversary Tour, which Troika Entertainment yeah. really stretched out, I swear, over like six years. Um, but we, yeah, we were the 25th Anniversary Tour. I was 20 years old. I had never been a swing before, um, and I, I was the kitten swing. So my role at the time were mm -hmm. Pounceable, Mistopheles, Mungo and Jerry, Tumble Brutus. And then later on in the tour, they added Plato McCavity yeah. to me. Um, I had never left the country aside from, not that Canada is leading the country, but I hadn't left North America before. And our one of our first stops was Brazil for a month. And we also <laughs> went to Chile and like that tour um, was pretty amazing. And the cast is still working to this day. So Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, it was a, an interesting tour because it went for like 10 years. Yeah. And it was, um, the start of the tour was kind of wild. And then there's all these like little moments I hear about more and more as I've talked to people throughout the years of that tour of like, went to some cool places or had like the 25th anniversary kind of version. And then it got renamed for a, a hot minute for something. And so it's kind of unique to hear how all the different years of that tour was, um, slightly there. But for you, that was your first time on tour it was the first time doing a swing track. Like that's cause that's a skill that's very different than being on every night for one role. Yeah. When I was 18, I did my first national tour, which was Stephen Bride okay. for Stephen Brothers. Um, okay. And we were doing, you know, like five or six cities a week, very much in the non-union bus and truck touring world. The yeah. cast felt like a step up, even though it was also considered a non-union bus and truck tour. We certainly weren't flying to Brazil and Chile on that Stephen Bride's tour. But yeah, I just, I didn't know about swinging at all. Um, and so mm -hmm. I didn't really have a strategy going in other than to just learn everything and just constantly review it in my head. I don't know. Now people have note cards, iPad programs and all sorts yeah. of stuff. And I just kind of, I had to get to the point where I could just do it without even thinking. So I would just review it as much as possible. Yeah. It's such a skill that like as someone who does it. I can't even fathom learning one show, one track, one show, one dance. Like it's not just my skill set yeah. to learn five, six, yeah. and then do them back and forth every night. Like I, especially in cats where I've talked to some swings who were bomb and Demeter. It's like, you're going to do the exact same number 
and you're going to flip sides and flip lines yeah. and flip everything. Like that is just such a, a skill. Here's what I'll say though. So I was the fling dance captain of the Newsies tour and I covered mm-hmm. 18 Newsies. 18, 18 tracks. And that is a number line show, meaning we're using a number line and everything has to be very precise because if you're on stage left five and you're supposed to be on stage left four, someone literally comes sliding through your leg. And if you're in the wrong spot, you're hitting people in the head. Like it was a very like stressful, dangerous show if you were in the wrong spot. And 18 tracks is just too much to juggle. Whereas Cat, there is no number line. There's just the painting. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure someone in your podcast has spoken about that, but we use our spacing based on literally the painting. Um, it's interesting to me that now I'm playing a tiger, but the, one of the prominent features of the stage was the tiger face. Um, yeah. So maybe a little foreshadowing, but um, I would say swinging a number line show versus swinging cap. I actually found cap to be easier to swing. It's a little bit more of like an amoeba of a show. Mm-hmm. You can kind of make your own choices and figure out your own pattern to a degree. So that I actually think took a little bit of the stress away. Um, but yeah. Yeah. There's, there's also a lot going on on stage at all times. That it's not like you're the sole focus at any moment or the, like you're saying with Newsies, the danger of like, this has to be precise. I would assume yeah. as, as Tumble Brutus, you probably had some more cause you're doing the flipping and a lot more of the acrobatic stuff that maybe there it's like a, You've got to be a little bit more exactly in the right spot or you might backflip into somebody type of thing. Yeah, the tumbling stuff is actually easy. Like, they give you lots of room. It's the solo moment. That I was always like, okay, that's that's nothing. It's yeah. more like, it's more like remembering where you are in, you know, like Gumby Cat or remembering your lyric to what solo line you're doing in Jellicle Song. Yeah, yeah. I also thought, like, what part of the, the train are you building? Like, are you a wheel today or are you a, the light at the top? Yeah, or like, yeah, yeah, where, yeah. Where are you in that? Um, okay, so you then moved forward to regional productions and you did Mistopheles. Yeah. Um, in Texas and Pittsburgh? Yeah, at Casa Mignana in Fort Worth and um, Pittsburgh, Cielo in Pittsburgh. And Richard Stafford, who was the dance supervisor of the Broadway mm-hmm. production for a decade, um, was, had set the US 5 tour. And then he called me out of the blue and was like, Hey, I have someone that dropped out of cat. Would you be willing to like film a little something? I haven't seen you in years. Um, so I did like conjuring turns and a little bit of the Jellicle ball sent it to him. And he was like, great, you're hired. Um, and then wow. he hired me for Pittsburgh CLO. I don't know, six months later, I got to do that role twice, which is really fun. I love it. So you, you basically are like, all right, as a, as a, not a kid, but uh, you know, early on, the first show you ever saw was the infamous turns, and you're like, "I can do this. <laughs> I've got it. We got it." I mean, I definitely was in here. I was like, "I'm like a gymnast, athletic dancer, musical theater style. I'm not like giving you like wild ballet. Like that's not my my forte. I mean, I can do it, but so I thought I was cast the wrong person like the entire time. <laughs> and Richard Stafford, who's a legend and is a super kind man came up to me in, in Fort Worth during tech and he was like, Andrew, can I, I don't know why he was giving the British accent, but he was like, Andrew, can I talk to you? Um, what are you doing in August? And I was like, uh, I don't know. And he was like, do you want to do camp at, um, Pittsburgh say hello? So Jeff, this confirmation to believe in yourself. If someone mm-hmm. hands you an opportunity, don't go, oh no, this is the wrong person. No, 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 me, 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 just step into it. So yeah. 
So that was, that was almost what, 10 years, eight, 10 years from when you did the tour. Like there was a pretty big gap in between yeah. that gap, but like you did a bunch of other things between that and then going on. And then it was a pretty short year or two before the revival happens. Yeah. Yes. That was really neat. I, I tend to have a steel trap memory for choreography. So I actually remembered nearly all of it. Um, especially being a twin for that show, but, um, yeah, it was, it was really, it's, it's a neat journey going from like being that production in, in New Jersey to then being on the tour and then doing it regionally. And then, uh, yeah, it, Broadway just, I thought I had hung up my cat shoes. I was like, oh God, Newsies just destroyed my body. I was 30 at the time, which is very young, but still for like cat, mm -hmm. I always think of like the youngest, brightest talent. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was pretty shocked. So. And then you now go in and you're doing the new choreography. So you got to be able to do both. Mm -hmm. How is that experience, especially as a dancer, like to, you know, obviously have the original and this very historic one, which many of the fans will tell you should never have been touched. And then you've got, you know, a legend in Andy Blankenbuehler mm -hmm. coming in and doing this, this newer, you know, updated version. Yeah. Um, how, how does one learning, how was it one learning that show um, in the new choreography, having done it? already three times in the old one and then also just like the differences between the two yeah it helped having the framework for sure um however i remember we weren't eligible to be nominated for the tony award um because we hadn't supposedly changed you had to have like at least 60 percent of the choreography change for it mm. to count and as someone who knows cat the original inside and out i was like oh no this is definitely more than 60 percent changed um, yeah. and I find it interesting because there's other choreographers who do revival that have used major pieces of other choreography and have been nominated for like very small dance sequences. I'm like, that's interesting. Anyway, um, Andy Blakenbuehler, when I think of him, I think of someone who works extremely well with the technical designers of a show. He works mm -hmm. really well with set designers and lighting designers. Like you watch Hamilton and it just looks like Andy is holding like a bouquet of light over the stage. And it so much of the work is done through lighting. And so one of the things I appreciated about the new version was how much lighting took effect in our mm. in our show. I mean, there were so many spiraling light sequences. Um, I loved the new way that we uncovered old Deuteronomy, whenever he would like throw the finger light at us and we would catch them. Um, yeah, I think you can do so much with lighting, whereas I thought the original, which was revolutionary at the time, it does just kind of look like spacecraft lighting, dark moodiness, but it didn't really like add much choreographic texture to the show. And mm -hmm. I, when I think of doing Cat in the revival, I remember like, I just be like laying on the ground or on my knees somewhere and you would just see like a spiral of a lift and like you would see an arm lift up to a light and then just descend back into the chaos. And I just, I thought that was so beautiful. Um, yeah. But I think both have their merit. Um, for sure. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting for me as someone who doesn't know anything about dancing and never saw besides the 98 movie, any version of the original I've only seen. 2016 forward oh and really so I'm like yeah because i didn't know much about this until the revival 
And that's kind of my, how my journey started was with the revival that's and Leona Lewis and yeah. seeing the preview of that. And, um, and so as I talked to more super fans and like the, like they were in it from day one yeah. are passionate about the choreography. I'm like, they dance, right. You know, like, I just, I'm like, I don't know the difference between any of it. So to me, it's kind of a fun, a fun piece of it. Um, cool. I want to go to the story uh, that you're told though, because I don't think we've done a great job of fully telling Tumble Bruce's story on this podcast. I feel like we've gotten a little, little pieces of it, but, um, cause I've had a couple in the past, but what mm. were you in, in, especially in 2016, you know, you're doing the whole Felinity school, all this stuff you're going through. What is the Tumble Brutus backstory that you had to, one, what were you told and what did you have to create to kind of build your character's kind of arc? You know, I came in as a replacement. So I started rehearsal in early January of 2017 with a wonderful associate named Kim Craven and the mm-hmm. dance captains at the time were Corey Johnson-Wide, who's a wonder kind, and Claire Camp, who is astonishing. Um, I and, listened- and arguably, Claire arguably might be one of the most knowledgeable cast people you'll ever meet. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Okay. Great. Oh, yeah. So dive in with her. Um, yeah. She's wonderful. Um I've listened to the podcast and I've heard enough cast members talk about these like three words that they were given. Yeah. And to yeah. be honest, I, I think that they did say them, but to me, but, and I probably wrote them down somewhere, but I, that's not cast at all to me. Um, I'm like, great. Okay. Moving on. To me, it was more so Richard Stafford at NOLA Studios in New York City. Spending legitimately an entire week. I love, people love saying that they went to Felinity School. In every production of Cap I've ever seen, I have never seen anyone come close to what Richard Stafford did with us. The amount of time that we would practice for hours, and actually lights up tied Richard Tesla's work reminds me of this. Hours, just learning how to go from crawling on your knees, stopping, sniffing, gathering your senses, and then pulling up from your spine to a standing position and why you're doing it. He would have our Grizabella leave the room <clears throat> and then he would like throw phone books around the room. We'd have to stop and react for like a full hour. And then you'd have Grizabella enter and really teach the adult cat to like shoo the kittens away. Um, we didn't even touch choreography for the first week. And I think that that getting that in your body where it is so just like intrinsically a part of your movement. It served me way more than three words when I couldn't even tell you what they were. I'm sure someone on the U.S. tour now could say all of Tumble Brutus's three words, um, but those did not track for me. Yeah, that's so. That's really interesting that your your version of of how do you best portray the, this character, or really all the characters that you played, was more about embodying a cat and not like this cat's personality well, it was much more of that yeah i mean i have i definitely had a personality i'm not saying that i was just saying like yeah, i yeah. know that there's a lot of this like three word they or oh whatever that is and that was not my journey um i did however do a lot of character study with humble Brutus, and i kind of chose that he was abandoned mm-hmm. and his way of surviving the trauma of losing his his family was to just really lash out. But he is a deep love inside under all of that. So that's why mm. he gets to like claw and be the first one to go bonkers, but then is also one of the first ones to just completely melt 
and go and try to touch Victoria or have the adult cat really love on Tumble. Um, so he's just a really caustic, reactive cat. He's reactive first, reflective second. Mm. But he was kind of taught to be that way. Um, I don't even like using a gender with him, though. I, I hate that I'm saying that. Like, Tumble Brutus the cat can be anything. Um, yeah. And yeah, so that's kind of where I was building a lot of my stuff from to help explain why this cat was always trying to be at the front of things, always doing these explosive tumbling passes, um, which to, you know, an audience might be like, oh, wow, flashy dance move. But to me, I would like build up so much tension in my brain and trying to understand what was happening in a scene that my only way was to like, to survive it was to like burst on and like make my attention be known so that people could help me. Um, mm -hmm. So that was kind of where I found um, reasoning behind Tumble's really explosive, really dynamic, mind-shifting um, waves around the stage. Yeah, so it's it's interesting because like I've always wondered: is Tumble the love child of a couple of the different um, cats? And you're saying no, you were abandoned and kind of almost embraced by the Jellicle tribe, and that's where a lot of the like decisions and personality comes out is because this is an adopted family. Basically, it's not the you know, you're, you're the parents. Yeah. And I don't even trust the adoption process in that. Like, I think yeah. I still come from this survival mode of like, I need to do everything to prove that I'm worthy. Um, mm. which I think is also for a lot of dancers, part of just our, our life as well that I was probably yeah. bringing into my role. But, um, yeah, cause I would sit there and I'd be like, okay, why am I doing these things? Like, why am I tumbling? Why am I running and doing these turns? Why am I exploding and sliding and blah, blah, blah. And so I just started recognizing that in my own life, why do I do X, Y, and Z thing? Oh, yeah. it's usually some sort of survival technique that was thrust upon me. And so I find that if Tumble Brutus, the entirety of the show. And, and in a way, I don't even think the cats like brought me in per se. I think I just showed up and like, did some crazy stuff and they don't really always know what to do with me. And, um, but in the right. end, I'm, I am, I, I do trust and fall into the loving embrace, um, especially old Deuteronomy. Yeah. You're, uh, you're, you're like a wedding crasher almost. A wedding crasher who was just stranded, just <laughs> stranded, stranded and abandoned and is just trying to figure out all the feelings that he has going on. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's that's an interesting parallel too. I hadn't thought about it from that angle for sure. I kind of like the like wedding crasher vibe of like, all right, you know, I'm here. You can have enough conversations, but you know, one of the uncles or one of the aunts on somebody's side, uh, and everyone's just like, yeah, sure, they're a good time. Like, come on, and um, so that's like beats the adoption piece, but yeah. still allows you to be part of the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did you spend as much time, obviously, thinking about the character? backstories for Mistopheles and then when you were a swing or was it again much more of the the dance motions and the the being a cat type of like body movement well like I said I, like I said before it's not that I just my entire process for US tour five and regional was just like salinity that was just yeah. like the initialness of it all because I, mm -hmm. I can't just react differently than humans do and so totally. the only way for that I could even remotely begin to develop a personality 
was to understand their senses and their reaction yeah. to things. So I think that's why I was saying, like, when I started Broadway rehearsals, if I, I, I know I was given these three words, but I needed to, that was so human. And, and cats yeah. are not yeah, human. Yeah. I and mean, that's like the main thing they're trying to say to you, right? It's like, we are not you. Um, so for me, for Mistopheles, it was definitely, I really did try to play up that, like, effortless, mysterious, even though they get a big giant dance number, mm-hmm. it, I almost wanted to like er, recede in a way. I kind of liked that in the movie. I kind of liked that he was just like kind of shy. I mean, I guess in the movie, he didn't really believe in himself. And I don't think that that yeah. was my myself. I definitely knew what I was doing. But it was a bit more just like, I arrive exactly when I meant to. I'm going to do this and that and that. And that is all we need to do. Um, Interesting. I was kind of a minimalist Mistopheles in that way. Okay. Uh, yeah, the movie one was interesting because I always thought of Mistopheles, and most of this really does stem from the 98 movie, and, you know, Jacob Brand of, like, the confident and the magical and the, like, very, like, outgoing-ish, especially in their moment. And I think they also added some, like, very 1990s special effects mm-hmm. of, like, you know, lightning and fake stuff. So I, when I saw the 2019 movie, I'm like, was the shy kind of like reserved, like timid Mistopheles. I didn't really like it, but I kind of see what you're saying, which is it's not that it's not a, it's not like timid and shy. It's much more of like uh tactical almost yeah. like, here's the stuff I need to do. Um, and I'm going to do it and I'm gonna do it well. And yeah. Um, but, but more of like, was it the extroverted introvert, you know, Heck, yeah, it's yeah. like, you're going to go out and do your number, but then you need to go home to your, your, your uh wherever you know wherever the cats live uh, on the side and like watch some tv and kind of relax you know how like a beta master is just so confident in their knowing that they don't even have to say that they just know yeah they just are they just exist to me that was misophilies to me mm-hmm. there was no questioning there was no need to go so over the top i would say did you catch zach downer on broadway as misophilies I don't. So I saw he closed the revival. Him, so probably not. Then I I could have to go look at the playbills. I have them still. I saw the second to last preview, and then almost okay. to the date a year later. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. Ricky Avedi who opened it in so astonishing. I like can't get over it. Mm-hmm. Still burned in my mind how amazing he won. Um. Zach Downer placed him and took such a different spin on it. And to me was a bit, was a bit more aligned with kind of what I think of the role. He was almost like a surgeon on stage. Everything was mm. so precise and so, like I said, like this, like just, he knew exactly the amount of energy that one little moment would need to do exactly what he wanted to do. And it added this mystery, right? Cause you're like, how on earth did he do it? It's like watching Roger Federer play tennis. Yeah. Roger Federer, you watch okay. Rafael Nadal and Andy Roddick and all these players, they're sweating, they're running all over the, the court and Roger Federer, I swear, never breaks the sweat and just goes ding, yep. ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Always goes exactly where it is. So everyone has this mystery of like, Roger Federer, oh my God. Like, how do they do it? And because he already knows. He just knows where it's going to go. And the Sosley's, I guess, to me, is a bit of the Roger Federer. Uh, I love that. Anytime we can compare sports to cats, we lose I, we lose listeners for about a minute, but I'm I down. love it because it's what I'm I know. I'm a gay man and that's, that loves a, tennis and figure skating, so I guess those are fairly aligned. 
spot on though of like his effort like it's it's a perfect parallel to it because i know exactly what you're talking about like that backhand that federer does doesn't even look like he swings and it goes exactly one hand exactly where he wants yep. it to and then there's some Mephistopheles um, though that and, and they're totally right in doing it that it is like a free ring circus it is exhausting it is so larger than life and wild and the audience loves it um yeah you know what i mean so it's just a different there's just different takes on it but i like I was really just profoundly touched by watching the Roger Federer and a back downer. Yeah. Like, that's, I think, wow. the beauty of the show because you can have the same character, the same dance with slightly different takes that doesn't change the essence of the show, but does make it a different experience for someone who goes and sees it many times. I think that's mm-hmm. what's really cool about Cats. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for more of The Wrong Cat Died. Let's pivot to Life of Pi because you went from a cat to a tiger and also a bunch of other, you puppeteered a lot of different um, animals I noticed throughout watching it. Um, Amazing show. Tell, like, I know we got a couple weeks left and we're putting this out right away so people can still come see it. What should somebody expect when they come to see this amazing show? So Life of Pi is based on Jan Martel's book. Um, of the same title. It is in a nutshell about a young Indian boy who finds himself on a lifeboat in the middle of the Pacific Ocean with an orangutan, a zebra, a hyena, and a Bengal tiger. Um, but of course, it is about so much more than that. Um, pi is an irrational infinite number, and I like to say that is exactly what the story is. There is you can watch it and take away 9,000 things from it. Um, for me, I like to view that Richard Parker, who's the name of the tiger, um, is Pi and is kind of Pi's infinite, beautiful, spotless, shiny soul that just goes on in every direction. And no matter how mean Pi is and how many awful thoughts Pi wishes upon this tiger that she's in this lifeboat with, the tiger never leaves him and is always there for him. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if any listeners have ever felt this way, but I often feel lost and directionless and doubtful and what am I doing? And putting myself in that lifeboat in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, Pi thinks he needs his family and food and all these things. I think I need, you know, a boyfriend, money, a Broadway show, like all these things we think we need. And, you know, the universe kind of slowly has a way of stripping those things away from you and just bringing you down to, you know, the hyena, the the zebra, the sea turtle, the the orangutan, they all fade away. And in the end, it's literally just Ty and Richard Parker in the boat. And Ty has this moment where he turns to him and says, Richard Parker, can I tell you something? I'm scared of you, but when I'm with you, I feel better. And that is mm. that moment where you go, oh, right. I, if I can just somehow figure out how to tune out all the ego voices and all the things that I think I need to be happy and all the money and all the love and everything, and I can just hone in on myself, I do start to feel better. And then from there, Pi survived. Pi tells Richard Tucker, I'm alive because of you. And then the final line of the show is he says, I love you completely. And, but also within that, 
uh, you know, the people interviewing Pi say like, uh, this is silly. You were on a lifeboat with a tiger. How did you survive that? And he goes, mm-hmm. do you see Richard Kalko? He was real. Like eyes that penetrated your soul, teeth that were so ferocious, like this scary, primal, wild being. And I think another way of interpreting that, if I think Richard Parker, the tiger is pie, or we are all Richard Parker, is I think we're all scared of our potential, uh, or many of mm-hmm. them are. I'm scared of my, my own potential. That's why sometimes don't go and do this and don't fully commit to that. And I live in this wishy-washy land because I'm actually scared of this ferocious banged tiger inside of me. Um, so it's a real honor. People always say, how do you do a show eight times a week? And with Life of Pie for the first time in my life, I go, I have to do this show eight times a week. I need to hear yeah. this story eight times a week. Um, but yeah, it's my second time playing a cat on Broadway. And... <laughs> Um, my second time on a rake stage on Broadway, which is a whole other period. Um, but it's a huge honor. The the story, the show is so beautiful. It really is about how there are 9 million infinite possibilities of, of a story of how people experience something, but they all arrive at the same thing. Yeah. It's kind of your choice to what do you believe in? Yeah. I, you know, it's one of those things that like, I read the book probably in high school and don't remember anything about it yep. and then saw this and beyond the, the performances are incredible and the the stage and the lighting and the way that they do the bow and i mean everything about the way it was set up is just so visually um, incredible um and so i'm like i want people to go see it it is a powerful story it's a very very cool experience um mm-hmm. And I, you know, I just was there. Like, I know when I walked in uh, last week, it was like, there's also like a high school group walking in. I'm like, great. Why didn't, I would have much rather go watch you all than read that book. <laughs> um, so I do think it's like a very, again, powerful and moving story with a really, really amazing, like the, the stuff you do with the puppet, like as, with the puppets is, and the animals is so cool and so unique. And then the whole boat and the set and all the stuff moving around is just like, it's it's fascinating to watch. Indeed. So Thank there's you. a couple weeks left. I hope everyone I'll link how to go get tickets in this. Um, you can get tickets. Definitely. There's rush. There's tickets. There's a lot of ways to get tickets. Yeah. So, so definitely go. And I want to, yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. Go on, Mike Perry. I was gonna say, I want to compare the cats to the characters in pie. Cause it's like one of my favorite things to do is which personality fits, which characters. Yeah. And I actually think these lined up a lot better than I was expecting. There's a couple that are a little bit of a stretch, but um, sometimes the shows I'm like that none of these match, like none of these cats, like you can't put the cat in the ears, archetype. But yeah. I, I actually think that there's a couple that, that line up here pretty well. Okay. So have, I know you said you hadn't thought about this at all. I've thought about this a lot. I hadn't so thought about is, it. Uh, no, I'm excited to hear. This is fun. Let's start with pie. Let's start with pie in terms of in, in the Jellicle jump care. Yeah. So if you were going to cast, which cat do you think personality gives the best would would be pie like if i'm going to say i'm going to put this cat as the cat's personality mm. like their their story who would be the best um pie cat i think the easy choice in my head is to go pound pillow or tumble verdict but mm, okay but i'm also here for the ensemble so um yeah. going along the lines of what i think tumble verdict is just reactive non-reflective cat I could see Pi being similar to that because Pi learns to be reflective, but it's kind of reacting to all the mm. things around him. Um, what do you, what do you think? 
I went Monkus Trap because I was like, he's uh-huh. the one telling me the story. So I felt like he's got a little bit of narrator. He's, although he was a little, he's a lot less serious than Monk. You know, Monk's very, feels straight and narrow and serious. And Pi's like very funny yeah. and has a great time. But I just, I kind of took the lens of Pi's keeping me on track of the story yeah. and telling a lot of it. And that's the way I felt Monk is. It's like Monk's the one keeping us on track, telling the story. I always find Monk's Trap to be that, I'll just speak as a gay man. You walk into a club and there's that person who just has all their shit together. Like to me, that is Monka Strap. And it's someone I really actually don't identify with whatsoever. And they're kind of mm. someone I don't want to be around. Um, I find Pi, I guess just because Pi is 16, 17 in the show that I put yeah. him in the teenager category. Put him younger, I don't know, yeah. I think countable. I'm going to go countable. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's do the cook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say the easy choice is to go McCavity. Mm-hmm. You know, because the cook is kind of the villain of the story. Uh, um, you? So I went McCavity as well. I do have McCavity fit another spot, though. Um, so I thought like the free boat uh, cook. Yeah. I kind of got a little Buster for Jones vibe, like a little yeah. bit of humor, mm-hmm. a little bit of like the. You know, I'm and then Cook and kind of a big guy. Buster Jones is a big cat, so I kind of went that route. But it, it was it was between those two because I was like, I think the Cook had two different, very different stories. There's the beginning Cook, and then there's the end Cook. Yeah, and it's interesting. Um, Buster Jones, by the way, is my favorite character in the entirety of Cat. You can ask that is one Christopher Burry and my one on tour, um, Chris Fidoli. Like Buster Jones, I'm the happiest performer on stage during that number. Um, I could. Def- you might be the only person that's ever said that. Oh my God, Bester is amazing. It's amazing. He's amazing. Um. Anyway, I I agree. I think he is. Okay. I think the cook is McCavity, and in our story for listeners who don't know, the cook can also be interpreted as the hyena mm-hmm. in the lifeboat of animal. But also, the cook slash hyena could also be another facet of Pi's personality. Yeah. So well, they all can kind of come back to that. So yeah, yeah. Good. So I think that really all of the can have moments where they are the cook. I think Jenny Any Dot yeah. can be a straight up, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so I could see a little cook in her. Okay. What about let's do the parents? So Ama uh, and the father and Baba. Yeah. Uh, um. Let me hear yours. Well, I think. Well, I went very traditional, just parents in the show. So I went old Deuteronomy as the dad and Jenny Annie Dots as the mom. But I don't think the personalities line up as much. Like the mom does not feel very Jenny. It's just she's motherly. Yeah. Um. So I feel like the mom was probably more personality wise, like a Jelly Laura. Yeah, I would say Jelly. But that was, and I think the dad, old Deuteronomy kind of fit for the dad. But I think you could also go a skimble shanks is like again i was going more on age on those yeah was, like personality styles yeah i'm trying to think of like dripping away age and obviousness and thinking about thinking about on uh yeah i could see on the mom being like um I could see I'm not being like Thimbleshanks, actually. Hmm. The Skimble's okay. always like making sure everything's done yeah. and taking care of everyone and <laughs> making sure Deuteronomy and everyone's happy. Well, actually, I would do a gender swap for that one. Yeah. 
I like that a lot. And then Baba, the dad. I mean, you know, in the, my big fat pre-wedding movie, how the mom is like, yes, the husband is the head of the family, but the woman is the neck. She makes the head turn wherever she wants it to. Baba yeah. is that to me. Like, Baba, yes, okay. he's making decisions for the family, but really the mom is like, come over here. Hmm. Um, so I think in a way, what character is like that? I don't know if there is one. That seems to be in charge, but is actually kind of recessive. I don't know. I'll come back. That's a good, that's a good, I, I don't think there is a character like that, but I do like that answer. All right, let's do the last one. Let's do Richard Parker. Hey, well, to me, Richard Parker is Old Deuteronomy. I don't think of Old Deuteronomy as a dad at all. Mm. I think okay. of Old Deuteronomy as, once again, the infinite spirit, yeah. the one, the connection. I was, I, I was raised in a small town in Pennsylvania that Hinduism was a polytheistic religion. And as I now am in a show where the lead character is Hindu and also just growing up and becoming an adult and learning that Hinduism, as far as I can gather, is neither polytheistic nor monotheistic. All of the gods are mm -hmm. the same. Mm -hmm. And they all represent an infinite number of things. And so to me, Old Deuteronomy is that. Old Deuteronomy is everything and one thing all at the same time. Yeah. Old Deuteronomy may not even exist. Old Deuteronomy may not even be a cat. <laughs> Old Deuteronomy might just literally be all of their connected thoughts coming together. Yeah. I get hung up on the show with lyrics because there's just so little to work off of besides that it's like dance number and lyrics and it's hard for me with staging like i have the 98 movie and nothing else yeah to like go back to consistently to find and that's very much a they're going to point me where they want me to look um so old dude around me having 99 wives is where i'm like he's just the dad of everybody like there's no way you, that, that that's the case so i it's like i've hung on to that lyric a lot yeah but you know, i do those, think like, that that's the, the moment right of happiness like yeah. that song can give me a trippy headache trying to interpret it yeah <laughs> do you ever do that like read the lyrics and you're like um there's one lyric that stuck with me that really concerns me is mccavity's committed every human law or broke every human law mm. because that just is like if you think about every human law there's a lot that are very unpleasant to think about of like like, has he really done everything that's everything. illegal? Like, that's a lot of things. And that can have some very, very unique connotations that, like, we don't want to get into. Um, and, and so that's the one lyric. Yeah. Interesting, too, that the cap would even try to compare with human laws. Yeah, with human laws. You exactly. know, so maybe maybe broke the human laws, but cap, they don't care. Just, like, we watch a lion tear apart an antelope, and we're like, oh, that's horrifying. But that's breaking human law, but not yeah. breaking cat law. Um, but let me just, I just pulled this up for a second. Yeah. So the moments of happiness, we have the experience, but miss the meaning and approach to the meaning restores the experience in a different form beyond any meaning we can assign to happiness. And yeah, that's trippy. And like I said, it's trippy. It's a lot to process. And I think it, it's one of those things of like, when everyone wants to be enlightened, but the moment that you go, I'm enlightened, you've missed the meaning of enlightenment. Yeah. And so, yeah, but Richard Parker, I'm going to, I'm going to give old Deuteronomy, but also every cat in the show. Yeah. 
Yep. I, I like that because that's the N-word looking piece that we you know, we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, let's do some catch rapid fire. So if you could go on for one night and perform any track, whether you're capable, male, female, whatever, just if you could just do it, who would you want to go on for one night as? Tumble Drew to teach heaven. There heaven. Just love my, my to, roommate okay. came and saw the show in 2006 and said, what would be your dream role on Broadway? And I said, Tumble Bird and Cab. Wow. Legit straight so, up. It happened. Amazing. Um, who are your favorite and least favorite cats? It sounds like Bustafer's favorite. Bustafer, hand found favorite. Love, 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 love. Least favorite. Um, I tend to veer toward Jenny Annie Dot, but. Okay. Yeah. Just, I, I like, she's very much like a Dolores Umbridge and that's not the energy <laughs> I, I like. Um, who was your Jenny at the time? Oh, I'd had so many. Kara Fish was on my tour. She's amazing. Uh, and then on Broadway, I had Eloise Krupp and yeah. Sarah Jenkins, which yeah. were such different takes on that role. Because to me, like I said, I feel like the original version, it was Dolores Umbridge. And then the new version, it's like the rocket that came out of retirement. Um, <laughs> so that's why I was asking, because I've interviewed both of them and they're just so fun and like, cheery people and funny yeah. people like they're just hilarious and yeah. i'm like and they do have that vibe like there's not they don't play that jenny vibe and not at all. i'm like yeah how do you how do you two get do this amazing and that number was such an explosion i mean wow yeah and that's not i love jenny and i love both of them but i would say jenny yeah. probably my least favorite yeah and i always say take the actor and actresses out of, out of it. it it's like purely sure. the, the cat yeah um what is your favorite song from the show um, I love, there's nothing like sitting in the audience and having that overture start. Mm, yep. There's nothing like it. Um, yeah, I'm going to go overture. Okay. If one of the cats was stranded in the Pacific ocean on a boat by themselves, which one is surviving? Like which cat has the best chance of surviving? So kind of like the barge from the movie. Where they were all captured. Well, I'm thinking of like if you're know, if you're pie, pie, if who's pie, if we're pie, yeah, no, I know that, one, that barge out of nowhere. Yeah. The one that is surviving, um, I think the cat who can find peace with themselves is the one who survived. So okay, so, so who is that? I'm gonna say the cat that finds peace with themselves. I mean, I guess Grizabella finds peace. I think. I don't think any of us chose Grizabella at the end. I think Grizabella chooses herself. I think she Ooh. kind of accepts um, who she is and realizes like that I'm I'm connected to this tribe, to salinity, to life, to love, and she chooses herself. Um, in my opinion, because I once okay. again I'm very hippy dippy into thinking that we're all connected. We're all actually of the same fabric. So. Okay. I actually well, think that that going to do it. I think that's that's uh, that's a good transition because that's my last question, which is I've argued that I don't think she's the right joke of choice. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting take that you think that she's just choosing herself. But if you, Andrew, are p making your joke of choice, mm -hmm. who are you picking and why? Well, I think that the entire show is the movie of Grizabella. Like... I, I think that the reason why Grizabella is chosen is because this is Grizabella's story. Um, and we just happen to see some of the behind the scenes things happening. She's not there. Um, so once again, I actually think it can be any, literally any cat. You can pick any cat 
And whether they figure it out on this life or their ninth life, like they will eventually through that reincarnation process come to come to find that they're by themselves. And the only thing they really got at the end of the day is themselves. And so they're going to choose themselves. And so mm. I, who knows? I got tumble Brutus because that was my cat. <clears throat> okay. So if I, I do keep track of this, if I'm putting down your vote, who am I putting down as your vote? What's your tumble Brutus? Because I guess I'm tumble Brutus and, right. I'm, and it's going to be my story. Am I the first tumble I like Brutus? It. I don't think so. Let me okay. see. I was can it another tumble Brutus who chose tumble? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> very, very likely. Um, let's see here. Do I have a tumble Brutus vote? No, I actually think he might be the first. But I don't Brutus. choose Tumble Brutus because I think he has these qualities that are so much more qualifying than, than others. I just literally think every single cat is going to eventually love themselves and realize who they are and embrace it and get chosen to whatever the heavy cut layer means to them. Yeah, um, I, so it, there's the the most important question I think of this show is you're, I, I like the idea of you're saying like, we pick Grizz because this is Grizz's story and that's what was written for like us to see that and that was her night but it could be everybody and everybody will go mm -hmm. i kind of go back to if this world was created what's the criteria that gives for the choice every year if it's an annual decision who's going last who went last year who's going next year how are you like thinking about this does it change well and, and what is time yeah what is a year uh, yeah what's a year once again it's, a, it's breaking the human law but what's the cat law um, yeah this could happen every hour and like who really knows maybe this is that's just true Maybe this is literally just, you know, dipping into Grizabella's mind for two hours and she has to keep reliving this moment over and over again. Um, Ooh, I like that. So it's Groundhog's Day of cats. Yeah, I mean, it could be anything. I mean, you know, anyway, I really believe in the power of infinity. So I think it could be many things. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm going Bella, but but I'm also going Tumble Brutus, and I'm also going Mike, and I'm also going Andrew, and I'm going Podcast yeah. Listener, and I'm going like we're all the same thing. You, you everybody know. gets to, everyone, everyone gets, their gets choice. to it because at the end of the day, you got to choose yourself. Um, I love it. Something I'll just add before because I know I, I can sense we're wrapping up is mm -hmm. I remember reading that uh, T.S. Eliot's book of poems came out in the late 30s. And World War II had broken out. And, you know, I would imagine it was like bedtime stories for a lot of people in yeah. the UK. And that must have brought them a lot of comfort while there's air raids going on, going on mm -hmm. and all sorts of just insanity. And when I think of Angela Weber, then in the 70s, approaching TFLA Widow with Trevor Nunn and developing this musical as originally it was what like a song cycle and then they crafted it into more of a musical. I I think of the wonderment of of watching your bedtime stories come to life on stage. I think mm. I think that that's why I give permission that not everything. I mean, we don't even really look like that. You know, we're not like hunched over and crawling the whole time. But we're just kind of these like things bouncing off of your pillow and climbing up your walls and like just your the the child's imagination just pouring out in front of them. How beautiful to get to watch that. And then in length of pie, you know, it takes three puppeteers to do Richard Parker. Someone's on the head, someone is inside, which we call the heart, and then there's someone on the hind. And 
our our goal is to be as completely uh, realistic as possible. And I, I hope that when you watch the show, you literally are just watching a tiger. Um, it should look, smell, eat, breathe. The whole thing should look like a tiger. And in that process, you erase the puppeteers from it. Like you don't even really see us after. Did you experience mm-hmm. that? I've had a lot of friends. Yeah. I didn't even really see you, even though we're very present. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't, uh, I didn't notice it as much as like, I was kind of looking. Cause I also was like, no, knowing that we were going to talk. I'm like, all right, where are, where are you? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it is, you don't, re- like, you don't really realize, especially the heart, like the, the heart of the tiger. I was looking constantly trying to be like, where are they in there? Yeah. And it's like very like well done of how. Yeah. And we're not wearing like there, painted yeah. unitards or anything. We're literally yeah. wearing kind of traditional plain uh, Indian clothes and kind of muted color, but you know, as an audience member, you're going, I'm going to go along with the imagination of Pi. I am making an agreement with these puppeteers that I am going to put my faith in them that this is a real living animal. And there's a contract between us. And I feel like the contract between the audience and Cap for at least that generation was literally going, I'm signing up for bedtime stories. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have different theories as to why the show really took off. But to me, it's complete sentimentality of a time of survival. Um, yeah. And I think that I would love to see more shows done like that. Like, think of some of the poetry and the books and the parts of our childhood that were ritual um, on stage. I think that could be a really beautiful a new musical. It's, it's living art, you know? It's like a very cool piece of it. And I think that's where... It's hard to explain what you're going to go see in Pi yeah. without seeing, you know, like the thing. I was like, well, the boat's going to crash, but like, how do you do that on stage? And it's like, it's really, really unique. And it's yeah. until you see it or even, you know, a clip of it, even the clips of it don't do it don't justice, do it justice. Of seeing it live. And I would say most, most theater directors that I've worked with really will take a piece of stage direction in the script that's like, Pie lands in a lifeboat and it's just kind of like very shoddily done like oh that's good enough and in life apply literally every ounce of stage direction that you read we do in yeah. front of you with not much gimmick it it's really beautiful so i hope that wow. that listeners can come catch it before before we close july 23rd if you are in new york uh this will come out in early july after the fourth, so you've got a couple weeks to go. Um, I'll link everything on how to go get tickets and definitely come see it. But how can people stay in touch with you, social media, and uh, keep up with everything you're doing after too? Yeah, so I my Instagram handle is at Andrew Wilson NY. So it looks like Andrew Wilsonny. Um, I'm constantly posting over there. I teach dance, uh, theater dance, and um, chromatic for adults in New York City okay. at a place called Broadway Dance Center, which is actually where I'm calling from right now. Um, it's right down the street from Life of Pi. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I choreograph, I teach, I perform, I exist, I struggle, I try to make sense of things every day. And ultimately I just, I try to seek joy. Yeah. Wherever, you are your own joy. Wherever choice. that is, I am my own jellical choice and I hope we are all each other's jellical choice because it's very easy to throw our time and attention into choosing other people, especially if that was a survival technique you were raised on, like Tumblr Verdict. So 
Stand that and return to yourself. Amazing. Well, this has been super fun to yeah, talk so cats, much, pie, friend. and everything else. And um, everyone go see the show. And thank you for, for being here today. Thanks so much, Mike. And thanks, everyone else, for listening to this episode of The Ron Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cat's catastrophe. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any of us who listen to their podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at The Ron Cat Died, or check our website, theroncatdied.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.